of the Corbett Report. I am your host, James Corbett, podcasting to you, as always, from the sunny climes of Western Japan on this 20th day of July, 2007. I'm here today to inform my Canadian, American, and Mexican friends that the countries that you cherish are about to be destroyed, their sovereignty dismantled, and the three countries merged into one North American Union. Perhaps you think this is hyperbole, but today we will draw out the facts surrounding this case and the ominous security and prosperity partnership which seeks to dismantle our nation's sovereignty and undermine our democratic rights. It's instructive to begin by looking at the European Union as a model for the North American Union as it develops. Surely if you had asked the average European in 1957 if they were entering a European Union, you probably would have been scoffed at at the way that people are scoffed at today for suggesting there is a North American Union. However, in March 2007, the European Union celebrated its 50th anniversary, the 50th anniversary of the signing of the Treaty of Rome, which set up the common market, thus paving the way for a European Union. It's also instructive to note that the birthday celebrations were a colossal flop with very few people attending, because of course the European Union is extremely unpopular in Europe, and the French and Dutch referendums which helped to undermine the EU constitution, which the globalists in the European Union were pushing, uh, serves to underline the fact that this is not a democratic process at all, because after the constitution was rejected by the uh, the people in referendums, they decided to institute the European Union in another way, piecemeal, by basically changing the constitution so that it's not really a constitution that needs to be ratified by its population, but just a series of minor amendments to the European Union, which will add up to the exact same thing, but do not need to be ratified by the people. Perhaps we should step back for a second and get our perspective on the North American Union. The North American Union stems from the Security and Prosperity Partnership of North America. The Security and Prosperity Partnership was officially announced to the public at a press conference on March 23, 2005, in Waco, Texas, when President George W. Bush of the U.S. and then Prime Minister Paul Martin of Canada and then President Vicente Fox of Mexico announced the creation of a new body known as the SPP, which would seek to unify the continent's defenses, borders, and trade. 
Although it was announced to the public in March of 2005, it did not spring fully formed from the head of George Bush. It was, in fact, the creation of a body known as the Canadian Council of Chief Executives. And I'll just read a passage from one of their documents in which they explain who they are. Quote, The Canadian Council of Chief Executives is a not-for-profit, non-partisan association of Canada's business leaders committed to the shaping of sound public policy in Canada, North America, and the world. The members of the council comprise the chief executive officers of 150 leading Canadian corporations. These companies administer in excess of 2.1 trillion Canadian dollars in assets, have annual revenues of more than 500 billion Canadian dollars, and account for a significant majority of Canada's private sector investment, exports, training, and research and development. And they released a document in January 2003 which they called the North American Security and Prosperity Initiative. This North American Security and Prosperity Initiative had five actionable areas which the Canadian Council of Chief Executives urged the leaders of the three sovereign countries to consider. These five areas broke down into, one, reinventing borders, two, maximizing economic efficiencies, three, negotiation of a comprehensive resource security pact, Four, rebuilding Canada's military capability. And five, creating a new institutional framework based not on the European model, but on cooperation with mutual respect for sovereignty, perhaps using joint commission models to foster coordination and to prevent and resolve conflicts. Wow, fuzzy words indeed. Well, within two years, the Canadian Council of Chief Executives had their dream realized and the Security Prosperity Partnership was created. So far, the SPP has met twice in uh, leaders' summits, once in Waco, Texas in March 2005, and once in Cancun, Mexico in March 2006. The next leaders' summit will be taking place in Montebello, Quebec in August 2007. We'll get more into that later. But at the moment, let's, let's take a look at, so far, what the SPP has accomplished in its two short years of existence. Although the North American Security and Prosperity Initiative sounded warm and fuzzy with its rhetoric, the SPP report to leaders in 2006 detailing the initiatives that had been undertaken under the SPP umbrella, and which were already on track at that time, detailed that one of the initiatives, develop, test, evaluate, and implement a plan to establish comparable aviation passenger screening and the screening of baggage and air con- cargo, had as one of its key milestones this, quote, for aviation security purposes, each country has developed, is developing, or may develop its own passenger assessment no-fly program for use on flights within, to, or from that country to ensure that persons who pose a threat to aviation are monitored by denied boarding within 24 months, June 2007. Well, as listeners to the Corbett Report know from my episode four, the no-fly list, this ridiculous power grab that seeks to limit personal freedom of travel, was indeed implemented in Canada in June 2007, exactly as the SPP report to leaders recommended. But perhaps that was just coincidental. Another ominous issue relating to the SPP has to do with natural resources and regulatory bodies. We have this report from the NDP, the New Democrat Party in Canada. 
entitled NDP Stop Bulk Water Exports, uh, issued on Thursday, 26th of April 2007. It reads in part, quote, Canada stands to lose millions of liters of fresh water as a result of bulk water exports if the Conservatives enact proposals being discussed later this week in a closed-door meeting in Calgary. Today, NDP MPs stood on the steps of Parliament Hill and called for a full parliamentary debate on the issue of the Security and Prosperity Partnership of North America before the government implements this deep integration with the U.S. any further. We are calling on the Canadian government to pull out of these talks. It is beyond all reason that our government would be looking for ways to ship our fresh water resources in bulk to the United States, said NDP international trade critic Peter Julian. Last week, the Council of Canadians revealed a leaked memo that showed high-level secret talks would begin this week in Calgary between government and business leaders to discuss water consumption, water transfers, and artificial diversions of bulk water with the aim of achieving, quote, joint optimum utilization of the available water, end quote. The SPP indeed seeks to commoditize all resources so that they can slip easily between the three countries thus meaning that natural resources of one country becomes the property of all three countries. Although, of course, the commoditization of our water resources are cause enough for concern, when combined with this report from CanWest News Service, the results are positively chilling. This report is entitled Canada Raising Limits on Pesticide Residues, and it comes from CanWest News Service on Tuesday, May 8, 2007. The report details the move to harmonize pesticide levels between Canada and the United States as part of the Security and Prosperity Partnership initiatives. It reads in part, quote, The move is part of an effort to harmonize Canadian pesticide rules with those of the United States, which allow higher residue levels for 40% of the pesticides it regulates. Differences in residue limits, which apply both to domestic and imported food, pose a potential trade irritant, says Richard O'Coyne, chief registrar of the Pest Management Regulatory Agency, which sets Canada's pesticide rules. However, Canada will only raise its limits where this poses no risks, he stressed. U.S. pesticide residue limits are often higher because their warmer cli climate means they are plagued by more pests, O'Coyne said. Canadian regulators and their U.S. counterparts have been working to harmonize their pesticide regulation since 1996 as part of the North American Free Trade Agreement. Now the effort is being fast-tracked as, as an initiative under the Security and Prosperity Partnership, a wide-ranging plan to streamline regulatory and security pro protocols across North America. Comparing 40 U.S. limits with those set by Canada, the European Union, Australia, and the World Health Organization, he found the U.S. had the weakest rules for more than half of the pesticide uses study. In some cases, the differences were dramatic. The U.S. allows 50 times more vinclozolin on cherries as the EU, and 100 times as much lindane on pineapple. The report goes on to detail other pesticide levels, but the implications are clear. The ability for our sovereign countries to even determine what pesticide levels are s acceptable for the public to consume are being subsumed under this umbrella of the Security and Prosperity Partnership. It is indeed an ominous trend that our national sovereignty and our ability to set our own regulations are being undermined by this non-democratic, unelected board. But let's take a listen to uh, a reporter in the United States who is one of the few mainstream reporters getting any information whatsoever out about the SPP. 
His name is Lou Dobbs, and he issues reports on CNN. And this report comes from his show from May 7th, 2007. Let's take a listen to the Lou Dobbs show exposing the Security and Prosperity Partnership. There are rising concerns in Canada about the SPP, the so-called Security and Prosperity Partnership, which some think is directly uh, the foundation for something called the North American Union. The Bush administration is pretty excited about that, saying the initiative is meant to increase security and prosperity for all of North America. Opponents, however, say the initiative is nothing less than a plan to create a North American Union that would eliminate sovereignty for all three nations. As Christine Romans now reports, grassroots opposition is rising in Canada. In Ottawa, author and activist Maude Barlow has unrestrained contempt for the Security and Prosperity Partnership. She's concerned about a grab for Canada's natural resources and a watering down of its regulations and benefits by the biggest corporations doing business in North America. And that's just for starters. If Canadians and Americans and Mexicans, ordinary people, saw what these guys are talking about, including one trade block, one security perimeter, one, you know, everybody agreeing with George Bush's foreign policy, no one ask any questions, you know, lowest common denominator, environmental standards, I don't think they'd go for it. Her group, the Council of Canadians, has published a citizen's guide called Integrate This, denouncing the deep integration agenda between the United States, Mexico, and Canada. The stated goal established by Presidents Bush, Fox, and Prime Minister Paul Martin is integration by 2010, harmonizing regulations for a safer, more prosperous North America. But Barlow recently testified before a parliamentary trade committee that the SPP, quote, is quite literally about eliminating Canada's ability to determine independent regulatory standards, environmental protections, energy security, foreign, military, immigration, and other policies. Among the Canadian left, a growing fear that big business is drafting government policy behind closed doors. This is a vast initiative. It's an umbrella for, for a whole bunch of initiatives. There's 20 working groups and initiatives totaling about 300, and very little is known really about the nitty-gritty of these. Uh, we have a superficial knowledge, but I think we need, we need to know m more. He's hoping all three legislative bodies will insist on oversight. It's just emerging as an issue now before Canada's lawmakers, driven by progressives and Canadian nationalists. In the U.S., the nascent opposition is dominated by border control advocates, strange bedfellows they both agree, but both are wondering why more people aren't raising questions. Canadian integration opponents promise plenty of noise as the next trilateral meeting of leaders approaches in Canada this time, Lou. The new... The new world order that uh, uh, this president's uh, father talked about with such great enthusiasm seems to be high on the agenda of this administration. Uh, it, it's remarkable to me, the arrogance, the, the idea of just simply throwing away the nation's sovereignty, but they're trying to do so in so many ways. The most worrying thing about the SPP is perhaps its secrecy. Since its so-called inception in March of 2005, there have been, so far, one leaders' conference and at least one ministerial meeting attended by high-level ministers from all three governments, and yet there has been very little press coverage, and in some cases, even official denials that they were even in attendance at these forums. We have this report from October 12, 2006, from the Tai.ca entitled Secret Summit on Shared Security, which reads in part, quote, Stockwell Day may have been there, but his office isn't saying. 
Donald Rumsfeld may have been there too, but again, no one seems to want to talk about it. Last month, a secret meeting called the North American Forum was held in Banff. The theme of the three-day event was continental prosperity in the new security environment. Dozens of powerful figures from across North America attended. Many of the delegates are rumored to have arrived at the Fairmont Branch Springs Hotel by bus in the middle of the night. It all sounds a bit like a conspiracy nuts black helicopter fantasy, but the North American Forum is real, and so was the meeting. Day is listed as an attendee and one of the keynote speakers, but Melissa Leclerc, a spokesman for Day, refused to discuss whether the minister attended the meeting. I've never confirmed to any media whether or not the minister was there, she said. It's a private meeting, and generally I don't confirm private meetings of the minister. I don't confirm whether he was there or not. Rumsfeld was also listed as an attendee and speaker, but his status has been equally difficult to confirm. To Mel Herdick, the former publisher and founder of the Council of Canadians, the meeting represents the worst kind of bureaucratic fascism I've ever seen in Canada during my lifetime. Well, make of that comment what you will, but certainly the secrecy surrounding these meetings is enough cause for concern. A top-level ministerial meeting of the SPP was held in February of 2007, and this report from February 23, 2007 outlined some of the concerns surrounding that meeting, entitled Officials Play Down Criticism That Talks Too Secretive, and it's from the CP on February 23, 2007. It reads in part, quote, Top North American ministers deflected criticism that they had consulted only big business for their talks on trade and security rules, suggesting Friday there are different venues for public interest and labor groups to raise their concerns and suggestions. The Security and Prosperity Partnership is an ongoing dialogue between Canada, the United States, and Mexico to find more common ground on issues ranging from border security to emergency preparedness. The group has an arm of business leaders that provides myriad recommendations, but has no formal mechanism for consulting the public at large. That type of thing happens in different venues and a host of other occasions, and we're pleased to note that as we work together on the issues we discuss today, then the quality of life of all of our citizens improves, Public Safety Minister Stockwell Day told reporters at the close of day-long meetings. End quote. This article is instructive for at least a couple of reasons, one of which being that Minister Stockwell Day has come up with the line that there are other venues for people to raise their concerns about this process. This seems to be increasingly the shield behind which all the bureaucrats involved and all the politicians involved are hiding. This was confirmed also by an email received by the Corbett Report from the Office of the Pest Management Regulatory Agency. In response to an in email inquiry from the Corbett Report regarding the increased pesticide levels, which we have already heard about, Mr. O'Coin, the head of the PMRA, responded to our inquiries with a message in which he made statements that, quote, Health Canada consults with Canadians on proposed maximum residue limits for each crop and approved pesticide use. And he went on to say that MRLs, or maximum residue limits, are on changed only after, quote, consulting with Canadians on the change. In response to a follow-up email, the Corbett Report sent to Mr. O'Coin requesting to know when and where these forums are held for the public to be consulted in things like regulatory changes to the maximum residue limits for pesticides, there has been, so far, no response. That was over a month and a half ago. Another aspect of the CP report, Officials Play Down Criticism That Talks Too Secretive, that's worth examining is the use of the word dialogue 
to describe the SPP relationship. The word dialogue is used instead of treaty, because of course a treaty is something that would be subject to a legislative review by democratically elected members of parliament or congress, as the case may be. However, as the SPP hides behind this word dialogue, everything is kept off the books and unofficial, therefore allowing members of parliament like Stockwell Day to attend important meetings without even having to confirm that to his constituents. There is definitely an end run being played around national sovereignty. And the good news is, as stressed in the Lou Dobbs report, that Canadians are starting to mount a serious challenge to the SPP and the bureaucracy that is seeking to undermine our country. There are citizens taking action, and one such action was the release of the meeting minutes from that February 23, 2007 ministerial meeting of the SPP, which was referred to in the CP report. A Canadian citizen recently filed an Inf Access to Information Act request, requesting the minutes of that meeting, and that request was fulfilled in the late weeks of June 2007. The Corbett Report obtained a copy of these meeting minutes in early July 2007, and a copy of that report is available on our website. Please go to our website, www.corbettreport.com, click on the Articles tab, and under the Articles tab you will find an article from July 9th, 2007, in which we detail the documents which were obtained and their significance. We also talked to the man who was responsible for that Access to Information Act request, Mr. Chris Harder. I talked to him about Canadians' ongoing concern with the SPP and what Canadians can do to secure documents about the SPP from the government. I reached him from his office in British Columbia. Let's get a little bit into the documents that you uncovered then. Um, what documents did you uh, uncover in your research and uh, how did you do that? Well, the ones, again, that I, they, uh, they were released to me through the uh, Freedom of Information Act in Canada, uh, the minutes of the meeting, they have a summary, they have a pace of progress, uh, some priorities. Uh, another section is the competitive, Competitiveness Council and uh, the, the next steps, what they want to accomplish. So, um, I mean, that was just, I decided one day, I said, well, uh, you know, I can't find the information I'm looking for on the Internet I'm just going to ask for it and see what happens. So it's, you know, filing for freedom of information is really simple. Uh, you can easily find the, you know, on the web again, uh, the, loc the uh, website with the information, uh, how to do it. There's a phone number. I basically was an email contact um, with the folks at the office. It's, interna it's internal for foreign, or foreign affairs. Yeah, foreign affairs and international trade Canada. Um, they, uh, they emailed with me and I made a payment of $5 Canadian. Uh, processing took about, you know, eight, four to six weeks and, and, uh, it, and suddenly the documents arrived. Excellent. Well, it's, it's certainly good, good to see that some of this information is starting to get out there. Um, so what do you think is the, is the next step for um, people who are concerned about the Security and Prosperity Partnership? Well, are you familiar with the Vibla Canada website? Yes, I have seen that website. Okay. Uh, on that website, we recently posted some information. Again, uh, it's ongoing uh, coverage of the meetings and what, what, was, what was discovered and, and what's upcoming. And so there is a, a timeline 
uh, of documents that's on that website. Um, so a lot of Canadian contributors. Um, and uh, the direct, uh, direct action that has to be taken now, uh, having this information, is we need to, again, uh, everyone uh, needs to alert their local news media, national news media of all kinds, uh, whether it be written or, or televised or broadcast on the Internet or radio. Uh, you know, make this, ask questions, why aren't you covering this issue? We need to get this information out to the people. Um, but even that, people have to be interested in tuning into this. We have to really find a way to get the masses uh, fired up about it, uh, really fired up, because they don't seem to be. They're like, yeah, you know, we don't know about this, or, oh, you know, it's always going to be like that. There's nothing we can do. So we really need to get the people excited and motivated about Let's do something. Let's save our countries, and uh, let's put an end to this nonsense. It is indeed heartening to note that Canadian citizens are taking action and are having an effect against this tyranny. But as the process develops, stronger action is needed. Resistance to the SPP process is only beginning to develop, but the process is already moving ahead with several significant initiatives. The next meeting of the SPP is scheduled to take place in August of 2007 in Montebello, Quebec. The Council of Canadians, a key group that is seeking to stop the SPP process, has already taken steps to organize a counter-conference to take place in Papineauville in Quebec the day before the leaders' summit is scheduled to commence. However, there have already been steps taken to even revoke this meager democratic right. This comes from a, a press release that was found on Canadians.org on July 11, 2007, entitled RCMP, U.S. Army, Block Public Forum on the Security and Prosperity Partnership. This report reads, quote, The Council of Canadians has been told it will not be allowed to rent a municipal community centre for a public forum it had planned to coincide with the next Security and Prosperity Partnership Summit in Montebello, Quebec, on August 20th and 21st. The municipality of Papineauville, which is about six kilometres from Montebello, has informed the Council of Canadians that the RCMP, the Sûreté du Québec, and the U.S. Army will not allow the municipality to rent the Centre Communautaire de Papineauville for a public forum on Sunday, August 19th, on the eve of the so-called Security and Prosperity Partnership Leaders' Summit. It is deplorable that we are being prevented from bringing together a panel of writers, academics, and parliamentarians to share their concern about the Security and Prosperity Partnership with Canadians, said Brent Patterson, Director of Organizing with the Council of Canadians. Meanwhile, six kilometers away, corporate leaders from the United States, Mexico, and Canada will have unimpeded access to our political leaders. End quote. This, of course, is an undermining of a basic democratic right to hold a counter-conference attended by writers, academics, and even parliamentarians is being eroded in the name of security. Because, of course, a conference that is taking place six kilometers away and one day previous to the SPP Leader Summit will pose some sort of terror risk, I'm sure. Of course, this must be resisted. Please get in touch with your member of parliament if you are a Canadian citizen and demand that this SPP counter-conference organized by the Council of Canadians be allowed to take place in Papineauville. It's incredibly important that this, these types of actions are not impeded by the RCMP or even the U.S. Army acting on Canadian soil, which is really just rubbing salt in the wounds of people who are arguing that the 
American influence over the SPP process is already overwhelming. Now we are being subjected to orders from the U.S. Army on Canada's own soil. This is a disgrace and only sign that we are slipping further and further towards the North American Union. If you believe that a North American Union is great, all I can say is then you will not have any concern about people who are taking peaceful democratic means to protest these moves. The only people with something to hide or something to gain from stopping people from protesting are the multinational corporations who are seeking to turn our three countries into one homogenous trading block in which all natural resources are commoditized, all people are cattle to be processed at our borders and denied access if our government deems so fit on a whim. This is a serious issue with serious implications for Canadians, Americans, and Mexicans, and those around the world, including in the European Union, who are also resisting these globalist urges to undermine national sovereignty and democratic institutions. Please get involved with this movement. Take a look at sites like canadians.org or vivlecanada.ca, and also look for articles about the SPP in the future from our site, corbettreport.com. We are fighting for our country's lives. That's all for today. Thank you very much for joining me for today's episode. Please join me again for next week when we will discuss Big Pharma Loves You to Death. Forgot.